wonderful. Father, thank you that you're willing to break through at any time if we just let you in. So whatever our need is right now, the things we're dealing with, we've all got them. Things that are going through our mind and our heart. I pray that you just help us to focus in on you and enjoy your presence this morning. In Jesus' name. Simon and team, so well done. We appreciate that, bringing honor to the Lord. Just a, a few little things to uh, get us rolling this morning. Um, first of all, to all of you who came yesterday to the service for Liz Lester, uh, thank you so much for being a part of that. Uh, wow, that was a great service that they put together, and to being to give tribute to the Lord Jesus Christ and honor Him and thank Him for her life and how she touched us. Uh, we're so, so thankful for that. Great crowd was here um, from Community Bible Study, people from there, from the Avenue Church where Jeff and Trina, um, son and daughter-in-law go, and then our own congregation. You did a great job of supporting it. And to all of you who helped out with the cookies and with the cleanup and setup and everything, thank you so much. You always come through so, so well. Um, there were some great cookies back there. We're going to be enjoying them for a few more weeks. So uh, thank you for making those, being so uh, generous in that, uh, especially those ones that have chocolate chips in them. Thank you so much for those. <laughs> uh, that was great. What a, what a great time. And then as Pastor Simon mentioned, yes, uh, we'll be leaving on vacation. Um, tomorrow evening uh, we'll be at the uh, uh, Lowe's Coronado Bay Hotel right there on the uh, Coronado Bay, um, suffering for Jesus, and uh, we will be going to a pastor's wives conference put on by North American Mission Board, uh, very low key, um, dinner, worship on Monday night, a couple sessions in the morning, free in the afternoon, uh, evening time, dinner, worship time, preaching time, uh, and then in the morning there's a couple sessions on Wednesday and then we're done, and so that was, I'm taking advantage of that of your pastor appreciation gift. You gave to us in October. Uh, that is what's paying for that conference. Very, very cheap, $300 for two nights at, at a premium place and meals. Um, just unbelievable that we get this opportunity. And uh, then we'll be staying with the Edwards, Kurt and Sue Edwards, uh, one of the missionaries we support in Turkmenistan. And they've always invited us to come and to be with them. And so we'll spend uh, five nights with them. And we'll be out doing the San Diego thing. And seeing Midway, the Midway Carrier, and uh, the zoo, and, you know, all those sorts of things you do there, eating some good food. And then, yes, I will be playing golf. And so uh, they're at Torrey Pine South, where they had the PGA Tournament this last weekend. I hope they cut the rough, because they couldn't get out of it. I'll never find my ball, and I'll never get out of it. You might have to come looking for me. Our pastor's out there somewhere in the midst of that rough, so... Anyway, thank you for providing that. Thank you, Alicia, for coming along with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> and um, our kids um, are going to be taking care of Paul, and uh, also a friend of my daughter will be there at nights with him. So appreciate everybody who cares for that. Okay, so uh, we started this series, The Promises of God. I love this picture. Just beautiful, beautiful picture. Um, as we go through these promises, we've covered a few of them so far, right? 
And since some Bible commentators say there could be up, up to 8,000 promises in the Bible, this is going to be a really long series. <laughs> well, we probably won't get to every one of them, I don't think, but uh, we'll see how that goes. And as Pastor Simon has said, you probably know this story pretty well. Matter of fact, I don't know. It might be the most famous story in the Bible, the story of Noah. Um, I don't have any proof of that, but probably of all the stories, this is going to be in the top, you know, top hundred or something like that. But it's way up there. And there are songs. Thank you, Simon, for stealing my thunder. Appreciate that, right? And the Lord said to Noah, you're going to build an arky arky, make it out of gopher barky, right? Children of the Lord. But there's also one. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he landed high and dry. You know that one too? Anybody know that one? Where have you all been? You haven't been studying Noah. How about the Arky song? How many of you knew the Arky song? Okay, you know that one. Okay, oh, you like the motions. That's it. Okay. All right. All right. Good. Good. And I did see some motions out there. I saw Don Al over there. You guys are doing the motions back there. Fun to have those songs. So it's 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 one that many songs have been written about. There are jokes about it too. Look, here's some of the ones that I could find this week. What kind of lights did Noah have on the ark? Floodlights. Yeah. Now, Pastor Elisha told me that joke on Tuesday, but I did find this little you know cat part you know to make it even worse. So uh, uh, the next one. Let's see what we got. The next one here. Or you could put the termites might have to go too. All right, you know, you have that one. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> so a lot of fun with it, of course, and just being able to have the stories, being able to look those up. But uh, also it's, it's reality is debated. The next one. I mean, there, there are those that are going, that, that's, that's just an outlandish story. There's absolutely no way that actually happened, right? And so somebody's taken advantage of that to be able to do that. But also, as you know, as we think about the ark, um, there have been displays that have been built about it. Built about, about it. Next one. Anybody been there? Yeah. A number of you have been there to the ark out in Kentucky there. Um, I like this picture because it, it shows just, well, one, how big it is, right, okay? And then it has the people down there, how small they are. And those are all, you know, seven-foot people down there at the bottom, right? I mean, that thing is huge. And uh, you all that have been there, you, you really understand that, just how, how big the ark really was in, in its model and its prototype that's been put there in the ark encounter in Kentucky. But I, I submit to you this that it is a true and accurate story that God wanted us to know about so that we wouldn't fall into the sinful part of it, but we would be more like Noah, this man who was not perfect, but was pleasing to the Lord. Get that. He wasn't perfect, but he and his life was pleasing to to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to read Genesis 5 through 9 to you. You probably know the story. We're going to hit bits and pieces of it this morning. But here's the story before the flood, right? We talked about it last week. It's right there in the front part of your Bible. 
Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3. The, the first aspect that we think about and what we covered last, last week is in, in moving toward that is that Adam and Eve sinned. And in their sin, the sin nature was passed on to each one of us. This bent towards sin is a part of who we are. And their sin had tragic consequences to the earth, to mankind. Everything that we know has been marred by sin. They get removed from the Garden of Eden. Sin has consequences. And then just soon right after that, in chapter 4, I mean, it's, it's almost hard for me to fathom. Cain murders his brother Abel. I don't know what sins took place before Cain murdered Abel, but like about the biggest sin you could commit is in the first family. I mean, it didn't take any time at all for them just to go to the worst thing that could ever happen. It's just hard for me to fathom. I mean, it wasn't like there was any you know graduation to sin. Boom. I'm taking you out because I don't like how God treated you versus how he treated me. And all Cain had to do was just offer the right sacrifice like Abel did. However, God communicated to them that need, but somehow he did. This is what pleases me. And Cain rebelled against that. And, sh and, and I guess they shot his brother, probably not, but <laughs> kills his brother. Just so hard to picture. And it says in 4.16 of, of Genesis, it says that Cain went away from the Lord. That's what sin will do for us. We don't want to be in his presence. We don't want to be near him. Cain went away from the Lord. And then you get to chapter 6, and you have the increasing, it says in my Bible, the increasing corruption on the earth, and you have this this true story about somehow the sons of God and, and intermarrying with the daughters of man, uh, that's for another topic. That's for Simon to preach on someday, all right? <laughs> One that's really hard to understand. But somehow, there's again, there's this increasing corruption. There's sin that's taking place. And this is all just in that, well, you know, numbers of years. I mean, not like, you know, two or three, but, but numbers of years right here is taking place. The, the world is just going gone downhill really bad and fast. And then you get to chapter 6, verse 8, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Every intention, evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he'd made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I'll blot out man from whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. And he goes on in, in verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and kind of another, here, let me tell you how bad it is. And the earth was filled with violence, and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then he gives his instructions. Make yourself an ark of, of gopher wood. Barky, barky. <laughs> That's the story before the flood. 
this sounds a little bit like today, doesn't it? Sounds just like today. With all the corruption and violence that's around us, people taking people's lives just discriminately, you know, you looked at my girlfriend wrong. (laughs) The evil intention of the heart that is around us is so sad and it must, as, as this time did, it must grieve the heart of the Lord. We forget that he's grieved by our sin. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. Whereby you've been sealed for your day of redemption. Don't grieve Him. And yet our sin grieves Him. Sin hurts Him. As we continue on, the story behind the flood, as I've given an outline. Adam and Eve in chapter 3, in in, in a way, I I can't say that, you know, they, they obviously get down to their knees and repent, but they recognize that they've sinned. God comes to them, and they recognize they've sinned. And, and in His grace, He provides for them. He gives them coverings. And then He sends them out of the garden, but, but there's still this, this grace that's upon them because they can't stay there. They can't stay there now because of their sin. And He provides for them in His grace to them. And Cain... In chapter 4, verse 15, it says that, in a sense, Cain recognizes his punishment that that God has given to him. He he recognizes his punishment. He recognizes that he's going to be a marked man, and God marks him in a sense of protection. In his grace, he gives him protection. I love what it says in chapter 4, verse 26. It says... And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. There's something happening. They've known about Him, but now there's something happening. Somehow Spirit is moving into people's hearts and into their lives, I should say. And they begin to call on the name of the Lord. It's a really valuable verse. Chapter 4, verse 26. And then we turn back over to the story of Noah And it says in verse 8, But Noah, what? Found favor in the eyes of the Lord. King James, as we sing the song, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. King James says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This kindness toward him and who he is. He lived, I think you could say this as we think of the other verses that are right here in verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Think with me. This says to us this, that Noah lived above the sin of the day. I didn't say it in those words, but that's what it gets to, right? Noah lived above the sin of the day of the world that was around him. He wasn't perfect. Get this. You've already heard it once. He wasn't perfect, but what? He was pleasing to the Lord. We understand that. We're not perfect, but we want to be pleasing to the Lord. Amen? We 
would like to be identified like this. As somebody who God says, you, you're, my favor is upon you, my grace is extended to you in a special way. And his common grace certainly is over all people. We know that from Matthew, book of Matthew. But, but in a special way, there's something special about him, and God recognizes that. And what's special about him, he's a righteous man, blameless, not perfect. Blameless means that he's seeking after God. But his life is pleasing to the Lord because he's walking with God. He's living above the sin of the world, the sin of the day that was just all around him. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, as the author reflects back on all these men and women of faith. By faith, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning the events as yet unseen, the flood, in reverent fear. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Hmm. You see, that's how he lives above the sin of the world, because he has this reverent fear of the holy God. He's not perfect. But his life is pleasing to the Lord because he lives with this fear, this, this awe about him, this wonder about him. Yes, maybe even a little bit of fear in the sense of, he's dangerous. I need to listen to him because he is holy too. But he's, he's this incredible God and, and he's revealing himself to me. And I'm going to have this fear for him just like you and I need to have a fear for Him. That He, that he is transcendent. That, that He is imminent. That He is all about us. He is bigger than we are, yet small enough to be in our hearts, as the song says. Because of who He is. And His omniscience and His omnipotence. And His holiness and His justice and His mercy and His grace. All those things that characterize him and his love, all those things that characterize him, he lived in reverent fear as we need to live in reverent fear of him. You're God and I'm not, and I'm going to respect you, and I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to seek to live blameless. I'm not perfect, but I want to be pleasing to you. You see, identifying as a Christian means that, that we live differently than the world. We live in reverent fear like Noah. We need to be a follower of God, not a fan that just shows up, but a follower that daily our hearts are moved toward Him and directed toward Him so that He has the preeminence in our life. I like about Noah, just looking through, as you read through this passage, God is speaking to him. Noah hears God. Now, I, I know if, if you have this relationship where it's actually in Scripture and you know exactly what he heard, <laughs> I know that would be very special. I, I've never had that. Never, God's never spoken to me that I could put it in the Bible, that's for sure. He certainly has spoken to me, that small, audible voice, you know, that quiet, audible voice that we hear. We know that that's God moving in our lives, the Spirit moving in our lives. Yet we have the Word of God, a pretty good pretty good record right there that we could put up on the wall, right? But, but Noah, Noah 
heard God. And you know as well as I do, we are, okay, maybe I, maybe I should just say I, but I bet you're with me. We are so good at hearing all those voices around us. All the voices all the time that are speaking at us, the different directions that are speaking at us, and yet we often miss the distinct, singular voice of God in our lives. We hear all these other things that make us go this way and this way and run around over here and do this. And I got and, and yet God is just speaking to us in, in a singular, distinct voice and saying, just, just slow down, slow down. Listen, I have something for you. See, because God is always speaking. Just, we just don't tune in as well as we need to. Anybody with me? <laughs> okay, you don't have that problem? Good, okay, great. Maybe you could teach me, right? We all struggle with that. All those voices out there just screaming at us. And yet, it's voice that says, just, just listen, slow down. Here's what I have for you. Noah heard his voice. Some of the things I see. The building of the ark served as a warning of God's coming judgment. If you look at verse 3, chapter 6, verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. Now, as you probably have heard through your lifetime, as I have heard through my lifetime, that verse is taken to say that it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. Anybody ever heard that? It took him 120 years to build the ark. Nobody's going to admit it, have you, will you? Yeah, you have. You've heard that. As, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, well, I wonder how long it really did take him to build that ark. I did just a little bit of research, you know, just a few Google, Google articles, you know, things like that. Good sources. Okay, good sources. Okay, you can find good sources there when you Google things. And and as and as going through that, I'm trying to think, you know, that's what I've heard. It took them 120 years. No, that that verse just says that God is telling the people, you got 120 years. It says nothing about Noah building the ark. It just says God's saying to them, you got 120 years before what's going to take place. This judgment is going to take place. I looked at the answers in Genesis team, the commentators on that, guys that really have done a lot of work. They, they even helped with the ark project, the, the ark project back in Kentucky. The answers in Genesis team. And as they're going through it, they, they did an extensive study, and I'm not going to give you all, but they go through the, the lineage. They go through the years of, of Noah, and they go through the years of Ham and Shem and Japheth, and they, you put all those things together, and they come up with this. I think it's probably a reliable figure. They figure it took about 55 to 75 years for that ark to be built. It's not in Scripture, I realize that. But, but they've done their work in looking through the dates and the ages and everything else. They figure it probably took 55 to 75 years for that ark to be built. Just a little fun fact to know and tell. You can surprise somebody with that, right? And I wondered this question. You've probably seen the, the slides, the pictures of it. Noah preaching to the people. It's not in Scripture. I can't find it anywhere in Scripture. I'm not saying he didn't. 
But I'm just saying it's, it's not there that Noah spent, you know, 120 years preaching to the people, a flood's coming, a flood's coming, a flood's coming. And if you don't get in, you're in trouble. I, I don't know that. I, I'm sure building the ark probably, um, excuse me here, stood out as a, a little bit of a preaching lesson. <laughs> hmm, it's an interesting boat you're building there, huh? But it just doesn't say that he did. So, if he did, let me have a little fun with you. If he did, he's a pretty lousy preacher. Because <laughs> he only got seven more people to go with him. <laughs> I'm just kidding, of course, okay? But but we, we know this. Different things. But, but I'm sure some said something like this. Um, you know, I, I, I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time. You know, I, I don't need to deal with God right now. I'm sure that probably there were some said, Noah, that guy's just totally crazy. <laughs> There's no way. What in the world is he building an ark out there? And, and I, I'm sure some people said, rain? Hadn't rained yet. They didn't know what it was. I'm sure there were a lot of excuses that were thrown around during that time, and maybe even this one. That boat will never float. <laughs> no chance that that thing is going to float. Now, it's not in Scripture, but, but we know human nature. We know the people that we want to see come to know Jesus Christ, and we know the excuses that they bring their way. And many valid excuses, but we know they're there. And I'm sure these people were just the predecessors of what we hear today. And yet that ark was, was a symbol of, of God's judgment that's coming to the earth because of their sin. As you think about that, Last week, you did a great job. You know, we've been talking about who's your one. Who's that one person or two people or three people that you want to come to know Jesus Christ? You did a great job of giving me a bunch of names again last Sunday. Let me give you one more Sunday, okay? If you filled it out last week, don't fill it out again this week. But who's your one? Who's the person that you want to make sure gets on the Jesus boat? Because <laughs> that boat will float. But you have them. I have them. I prayed through your list. We prayed through your list four times this week. And you gave them to us. We typed them all out, all those names. Sarah's putting them on into the, the database for me to be able to pray for your ones. I prayed through them this morning, ones you've given me through the past five years. Take the card if you'd be so kind. I want to pray for you and your ones, that they would come to know Jesus Christ, that they would get on the Jesus boat with you. And you've probably heard some of those excuses, even from your friends. We see it all around us. But let's just pray that the Spirit of God would speak deeply into their hearts and He would change them so that they would say, yes, I need the salvation of the Lord. Take the time to do that, please, if you would. It's so important that we pray. And thank you so much through the years, all the names 
that you've given to us. Well, we know in this passage that it's kind of a spoiler alert. Um, you know, um, Noah does obey God. You haven't read the story, okay? He does obey God. I, I think it's pretty cool. Look at look at all the places here. Six twenty-two is the first place. Follow with me. I have them underlined in in my Bible. Noah did this, the things God commanded him to do. He did all that God. Anybody have the word command there? Commanded him. Yep, it's right there. Seven five. Noah does what God asked him to do. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Same word. Verse 9, 6, 9. Two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. Six sixteen, And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had, it's the same word, commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. I love it. Uh, he heard God's voice. He recognizes that the ark is a, is a picture of God's judgment. And then he does what God wants him to do. Four times it says that. That's pretty significant. Four times he did what God commanded him to do. Yeah! <laughs> Man, if, we would, if, if I would just do that more often, right? God's given me his instruction... His word, his spirit, he speaks to me, I hear his voice, and then I go, oh, I don't think so. No, but, but I would say, yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, yes. I'll do what you want me to do. And Noah did that. He's not perfect, but his life is pleasing to the Lord. The ark is also a picture of, of salvation. Literally, it was the vehicle of salvation from the flood. We know that from Hebrews chapter 11. As he comments, again, the author, he in reverent fear constructed the ark for the saving of his household. But, but also, we know this, that, that figuratively, it represents what Jesus does for us when we believe in him as our Savior. He brings us into his life, into his saving purposes, his saving hands toward us us. He will save us from the judgment we deserve for our sin and give us life through him. I love what the gospel project put together. It's a Sunday school curriculum from our Lifeway, Lifeway publishing house. It says, the story of Noah points ahead to a greater rescue. Jesus, the only perfectly righteous one, came to take the punishment for our sin. Man, we're so thankful for that. Amen? That, that Jesus is as the perfectly righteous one. Noah is not perfect, but he's pleasing to the Lord. But Jesus is perfect, and he has come to be the Savior. He's come to, to be the ark, in a sense, the one that we could place our lives into, to enter in as he's called us, and he will provide protection for us, and he'll provide salvation for us. So thankful for that. Thank you, Jesus. I need to read do that better in my life and, and every day just thanking him. Thank you, Jesus, for your first coming as my Savior, as our Savior to come and deliver us from the judgment we deserve for our sin, that, that we won't have to go through a flood of judgment and whatever that would look like someday because we have been placed righteous in his kingdom. Let's look at the promises of God. I, I just put down three promises of God. 
as us thinking through this. God said, I'll judge the earth. God said it, and then he did it. Secondly, he said, I will flood the earth. God said it, and then he did it. And then he said this, I'll save those in the ark. And God said it, and he did it. You with me? He made the promises because that's what God does. When God makes a promise, he will fulfill it. He will do it. And we could see more than that. We're going to look at covenant promises coming up. But, but in those, he said, I am going to judge. I'm going to flood the earth, and I will save those who get in the ark with Noah. And he did it because that's who God is. Because Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Spirit, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's, immut- he's immutable. He doesn't change. He's always steady. He's always there. He will always fulfill his promise. The 8,000 of them that are in Scripture. <laughs> he's already fulfilled some of them. But he's going to fulfill every one of those promises. Especially the one that he says, if you're part of my life, I'm Emmanuel to you. I am God with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Because that's who I am. The covenant promises found here in chapter 9. Just follow along with me. You might look at them in your Bible there. Um, What I did is I just went through and I circled the word covenant. And it's used these times. In verse 9, he says here, his covenant with them. Then God said to Noah and to his son with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. This covenant relationship. I'm making the covenant. I'm the one that will hold this covenant together. Not based on you. I'm the one that's making it with you. And I will make sure that it takes place, this covenant of of care. In 9-11, he uses the same, I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall be a flood to destroy the earth. I'm making this covenant with you, Noah, that this will never happen again. What you've just been through will never happen again. For 12. And he goes on to say, The sign of the covenant that I make between you, me and you, and every living creature that is for you, it's also for all the future generations. It's not just for you, but it's for all the future generations that are going to come after you. This covenant of love, my care, that I will never destroy the earth again. In 13, he uses the word again. I've set my bow in the the cloud, the rainbow, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It's there. You can see it. It's a demonstration of my faithfulness to you. He goes on in in 15. um, When I see the bow, he says, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all the earth. He said, listen, when I see the bow, it'll be a reminder of the covenant I've made with you, the care that I have for you. He goes on in 16, that it's an everlasting covenant. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant. It's, it's for you, it's for the future generations, but it's going to be there, everlasting. And then he says, it's between me and the flesh in 17. God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant that I've established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. Now, certainly he's repeating himself, but he's saying something very significant. This is my covenant with you. I'm making this with you. And this is the representation of it. The the rainbow in the sky, when it rains, I will never again, I'll send rain, but I will never again send rain this way. It opened up the depths of the earth and flood the earth again. That will never happen. That's his promises. And guess what? Yeah, he kept them. 
Has the earth been flooded again? Well, yeah, there have been floods, but not the whole earth. Does the rainbow show up when it rains? Yeah. Is the pot of gold there? Yeah. Right? It's there. And he made this covenant. We are the future generations. Many years later. And it's still there. We wish we could see the rainbow a little bit more often around here in Pueblo West, right? That would be nice to see a little bit more often. All right, the story beyond the flood. Just some practical things. Try to wrap it up in the next 40 minutes or so. First is this. God is holy. The flood was a terrible worldwide worldwide tragedy that could have been avoided if people would have chosen to follow the Lord in His ways. Yes, as we think about it, it seems like the Lord is not very compassionate when He expresses His judgment. But we realize that He is also holy and wants us to follow His ways. My friends, sin has consequences. You've probably experienced it. Countries have experienced them. We might just get and experience some in America the way we're going. At some point, at some point, we know God's heart is grieved by our sin. Our personal sin, our corporate sin, our national sin, our, our worldwide sin, His heart is grieved. And yes, it does seem at times, yes, who doesn't say it? It does seem, God, you are really harsh in judgment. That's, that's not right. That's not fair. Why are you so much like that? Because he's holy. And he hates sin. He loves us. He cares for us. But he hates sin. This is what I read in my little devotional from Moody Bible Institute today in the Word on Friday, January 2021. title is called Failure to Learn, and it's from the book of Jeremiah, speaking of the the captivity, Babylonian captivity that the people are going to go into, where the people are in. But it says this, Failure to learn brings God's judgment. It is true that God is patient and merciful. He gives many opportunities and, quote, second chances, unquote. But in the end, he will not be mocked. Failure to learn as a way of life is foolish and sinful. If people think God will never act, they're tragically mistaken. Sin brings consequences and God's judgment. Then the author says, in the context of this, Jeremiah, but also for our context, if only the people of Judah, or let's say Noah's day, had heeded God's word, if only. Then they would have received his blessings of peace and well-being. Don't let, quote, if only, end quote, be your story. God is holy. Sin grieves him. He's hurt when I sin. And there are consequences to our sin. Yes, it does seem harsh. But secondly, I remind you of this. 
God is very, very patient. Very patient. How many years did he wait before he sent the flood? You don't think he's patient? He gave him 120 years to repent. And to say, yes, I'll follow him. I'll turn from my wicked ways and I'll follow him. 120 years. None of us are going to get there in our lifetime. They did. But he gave them 120 years to 55 or 75 to see the ark, okay, however long, but to turn to him. He was very patient with the people of Israel that I just got reading, read through reading about in Jeremiah. I mean, they went hundreds of years of God speaking to them, saying, turn, turn, turn from your sin, turn to me, turn from your sin, turn to me, until finally he said, you know what? The Assyrians are going to come down about 721 and they're going to take over. The Babylonians are going to come over in about 605 to 586 and they're going to come over and they're going to take you back there because this is judgment. You wouldn't do what I called you to do. It's not that hard. Just do it. You're not going to be perfect, but just seek to be pleasing to me. Hundreds of years. We, it's, it's through, you know, about half of the Old Testament. <laughs> God calling them, the prophets, the major prophets, minor prophets. Turn to me, turn to me, turn to me. He was patient. He's so patient. Certainly, as we think about our world of 2,000 years of wickedness since the birth and life of Jesus, God hadn't extended a huge catastrophic judgment on the whole earth. Maybe some things have been his judgment. We don't know that. But he's very, very patient. Holy. There will be a judgment someday. He'll make it all right. But he's very, very patient. Tim Keller, I read this quote this week. Tim Keller, a pastor in Redeemer Church in New York City, said this, to stay away from Christianity because part of the Bible's teaching is offensive to you assumes that if there is a God, he wouldn't have any views that upset you. <laughs> I thought that was so good. Like, okay, God, you know what? you got to agree with all my views. God said, what? <laughs> what? No, he's God. And more than likely, he's probably going to have a view, few views that you may not agree with. And you know what? He's more interested that you agree with him. Because he knows what's right and best and good for us. If we just Keep going here. Third, he's a provider. But with his patience, he's also provided ways to avoid his judgment. Turn from your sin. Get in the ark. Obey God's direction. Follow godly leaders. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's placed his rainbow in the sky to remind us of his judgment, but also his covenant of love and care. And I find it very interesting that the world has hijacked one of the Lord's most precious symbols and used it to promote their sin. 
And the most precious things he's given us, the world is hijacked for their own purposes. Fourth, he's compassionate. In Isaiah 54, the author, God brings Isaiah back to think about Noah, about his compassion. He says this, This is like the days of Noah to me, the days of Isaiah. As I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Even in the midst of the judgment they're going through, God says, I'm a compassionate God. I'm a compassionate God. I could have wiped you all out, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take care of those who aren't perfect, but they want to be pleasing to the Lord, to walk with Him, to seek to be blameless, to be righteous like Noah. Not perfect, but seeking to be pleasing to the Lord. I like how this next slide, this little quote comes up here. says this, Be like Noah. Even if you're the last righteous man standing, how you live matters because God is watching. Be like Noah. Kids that are here today, be like Noah. You're old enough to be like Noah. Adults that are here today, students that are, be like Noah. God's watching. He cares. He looks for those that would seek him and pursue him. Let me wrap it up with this. The Lord is looking for men and women like Noah, not perfect, but pleasing to him, who hear him, obey him, and walk with him. So it can be said, you have found favor in the eyes of the Lord, so you and I can land high and dry. I want to land high and dry with God. And I want to be one like you who's hearing God and obeying Him and walking with Him so that He could say of me and He could say of you, my friends, we found favor with Him. We've experienced, we've experienced His, His special, compassionate grace toward us. Not getting by, but just saying, I, I, I'm going for it. I want to be like Noah. Father, thank you for thank you for your word. It's a true story. And there's parts of it that are hard for us to understand. But help us to understand who you are. Your holiness, but also your compassion patience, and that you want to provide for us. That's why you sent Jesus for us. That we wouldn't miss the boat. Because there will become a time when we're no longer here. And we want to make sure we're in the Jesus boat. That we have him as our Savior. That he's our ark. He's our provider. He's our salvation. Father, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus, 
Let him get in the ark. The ark of Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. I want you to be my Savior. I need you. The only way I'm going to survive a a future judgment. Thank you for what you've done for us, Jesus. Perfectly righteous. Gave yourself and took our sin upon yourself your body on the tree that we could become the righteousness of God. Help us to be pleasing to you. Really go for it. Get into your word. Grow in prayer. Be a part of each other's lives. Help each other to become more like Jesus. Thank you for each one that's here today. It's a joy to be with them. Celebrate. Father, personally, thank you that this congregation provides vacation, time away, kindness to us as staff members, kindness for Simon to be able to go back and serve his family, even preached his grandmother's memorial service. Thank you for a body who cares for us so much as staff members. We are thankful. Now, Father, just wherever you need to break through, We want to open our hearts to you, that you do that in Jesus' name.